Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're going to look at Genesis 12, verse 1. We'll start there. And it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Now remember, we're we're looking at something that is amazing. And if we really pay attention to what's being said, who it's being said to, and who's saying it, it carries a lot of weight as far as what I'm trying to receive and believe for the sake of my life. And you have a 75-year-old man, a 65-year-old wife, that God is literally putting everything into them to create this lineage that ultimately leads to Jesus. And so he's making a covenant with Abram that ties to the covenant of Jesus with us. And so this is very powerful in what we're seeing. But we also have to pay attention to how God works. Because what happens is, is we have the tendency to read but not pay attention, right? So we can be good at that sometimes, right? And so here he is. He's, He's telling Abram. He's saying, listen, this is what I need you to do. Now, I need you all to pay attention. Because nobody has always been a believer. We receive Jesus and then we start this walk as babies, right? And so when you understand that, you have to look at this in the same way where Abram at one point was worshiping a moon god and ultimately in his heart, just like you did, you went, there's got to be something different. No matter how that came about and, and who was communicating to you, Wherever it was, you connected in here and said, you know what, I, I, I want to find this God. I want to I know the truth. And by doing that, Abram did just that. He knocked on the door and got open instantly. And now God is communicating to him, which is amazing again, communicating to him in a way that's almost like we don't do things that way. That's not how we do things. You want me to go there, show me on the map. You want me to do this, well, how am I going to do it? it? I mean, do you got a bank account open for me and things like that? We, we're, we're trying to get everything established before we start moving out. And God, listen, Abram doesn't know this place. He's nowhere, never been anywhere, anywhere near the countries that he's going to be walking into, ever. He was way, way up in the, the, the east. And he traveled hundreds of miles just to get to Haran, where he is now. And that's up north of where he's going to be traveling. And so here we have him in a, in a distant land. And now God's telling him, I want you to go where I show you. I mean, he's not even doing anything but saying, listen, just follow me. 
by faith, just follow me. But there are some things I need you to understand that, that are very vital to you accomplishing what I'm laying out before you. And the first thing he does is says this, I need you to leave your native country. The things that are so familiar to you, your relatives, those that are very familiar with you, your father's house, the father's family, the ones that influence you the most. And he's saying, I need you to disconnect from this. And so what does he do? He obeys partially. And I understand this because, again, this is the beginnings of a relationship. So I don't throw down on Abram and go, what a loser. How come you couldn't obey? Are you kidding me? I know people have been saved for 20, 30 years, can't even obey. They have a problem with walking with Jesus and obeying him. And they've been doing it for years. I mean, we all have, done, all have been in this position where we're selective in what we want to hear or do. Right? I'm only talking to three people in here. The rest of you so perfect. Or you're just so guilty either way, whatever. But the thing is, is we, I want us to look at this and pay attention to it because ultimately he's talking to us. He's talking to me. He's saying this life, you, you, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to work your perception and, and that's the problem. Yet that doesn't work. You've got to engage into this new life that fully is tied to the spiritual realm that leads the natural. It doesn't, it doesn't disqualify you from the natural. It doesn't eliminate the natural. That's what wacko, crazy, religious, spiritualized Christians try to do. But the truth is, is you're going to be more... Uh, impacting and influential walking in the spirit realm and more people are going to be able to connect with you when you do walk in the spirit. In other words, it doesn't make you flaky or weird or scary. That's again, that's, that's game show. That's fake. And Christians have been doing this for a long time. Again, I think not out of starting out from an evil heart, but because no one's really built a true foundation of the word of God tied to these spiritual things. So we get wacko. And the reason why we get wacko is we want people to get wacko with us. The more wacko people, the more influential I'll be. And it, it, it's, it's, it's scary and it's crazy. But in this, we're going to see a picture that really should be able to set us free in the sense that look who God uses. He's not using, you know, this, 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 you know, brand new couple and they're in their, you know, early, you know, 20s and, and they're all in good shape and they, they just got married and, and they've, been, they've been married three years and they already got six kids. You know, we're not talking about, you know, this fertility that was needed. We're talking about, again, God picking an old couple that can't have kids. Woo! And God's already committed. And he's saying, it ain't staying this way. It isn't staying this way. When we, when, when we pay attention to his words and pay attention to how he communicates, God has great belief over you, even though you don't. And so Abram is at this place in his life in this relationship where he's going, 
I'm going to do this. But he brings along his nephew. And I can understand that. He's, he's new in the faith. And he realizes that, hey, someone's got to watch over this kid. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's getting, you know, he's growing up, but still, he's family. And so he takes Lot with him. And Lot's messed up. I mean, really, he's a messed up guy. So ultimately, he falls, he, he goes out into the, the direction that God sends him. And we see his commitment in what the scripture says. And if you look at um, chapter 12, you look at verse 8, you see Abram built another altar, dedicated it to the Lord, and worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south toward the Negev. What that is saying is, is this wasn't the first time he built an altar, made sacrifices, and worshiped God. This is something that he's been doing. Now think about it. He's in this new relationship. He's following the, 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 the journey that God's laid out for him. Still doesn't have a clue where he's going. He's just being obedient. And he stops in these different cities, takes his time, unfolds all the tents, and lives there for a little bit, but worships God, worships God. He gets to the place where he's getting close to, where God's wanting him to go to, and all of a sudden, there's a famine. See, there's a lot of times when you're being faithful. There's a lot of times when you're worshiping and a lot of times when you're sacrificing to God, when things just don't turn out the way you thought they should. And when it should be raining and plenty, that's dead and dry. And you're going, wait a minute, I'm following God. It was raining and it would hundred miles back there it was all good. And you sent me this way. And remember, it's God that he's following. So don't tell me God didn't know. He knew exactly what was happening. And it's not like God sending them into famine and like, whoops, <laughs> my bad. Because God can take care of you in the midst of famine because we find it later in the scripture. As a matter of fact, in the middle of famine, you can actually multiply and be successful. But again, this is later on in scripture. So what we have is, is we have Abram, where he's new in the faith, and he's in a place where he's like going, we're going to die out here. So what does he do? Motivated by fear. How many have ever made a bad decision because of fear? Yes, exactly. Especially when you're newer in the faith. And so what does he do? He says, listen, we'll go to Egypt because that place, all we've heard about is this a green place. It's got the Nile River. It's got, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a place where we can, you know, lay low for a while. Get out of this dried, you know, no, no rain barren area and get to the place where at least we know we're going to make it. So he's moving out in this direction and he understands the different types of countries and beliefs. And he's probably seen it in his own country. And that is a king seeing a beautiful woman that if she's married, they'll just kill the husband and take the wife. So he's seen this before. So what he does is he tells his wife, Sarai, he says, listen, so that I don't die. So they don't kill me because you are 
one hot woman, 65 years old now, all right? Actually, about 66 now, because it took them a year to go down. So she probably just had her birthday, 66. And he's going, just tell him you're my sister. Because they'll kill me. And the Bible says that when they got to Egypt, that all the Egyptians, all the leaders in Pharaoh's house went, oh my gosh, this lady is beautiful. I, it's just crazy. I can't wait to see these movies in heaven. I mean, I really want to see these things and, and, and be able to experience this more than just the written word because my imagination is pretty good. But I just, it's hard, you know, when you're talking about that age and super hot. And I'm not saying you can't be, you know, a beautiful woman at an older age. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not. I, I, I'm not at all. I believe my grandma was a beautiful woman. But she wasn't Sarah beautiful. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Because I know there ain't no king on planet Earth that would have said, I want your grandma. All right? I know my grandpa, who actually was a Marine and fought in World War II, he wouldn't have allowed it anyway. So, you know, he would have, he would have you know, uh, took an offense at that. So, but anyway, the point is, is he gets in this place where now he's making bad decisions. And we've all been there, right? But I want us to pay attention to the story because it is going to reveal a lot that it's necessary for us to see. So Abram, Sarah, and Egypt, and it says, um, in that place, Egypt, they chose to move from famine into what they believed, what they believed, not God, what they believed was the right move to do. So instead of plan A, they go to plan B. Y'all got that? So this is plan B. And it's so important to understand that because there are many times when we're doing God's thing and all of a sudden it's, it's like it's dry. There's a famine right now. And what do we do? We want to change the plan. We want to start doing it our way. Start doing what, what's the other church down the street doing? And what's this one doing? And what's the one in Australia doing? And when all of a sudden we're looking for a plan B instead of sticking with plan A. What has God called you to do? What does God call you to be? Instead of trying to reach out and find something that is even your identity, we get off in places we should not be. And then another thing that happens is as he goes in and, and the Pharaoh takes his wife, he, the Pharaoh makes him way richer than he already was and gives him donkeys and goats and sheep and camel and, I mean, just uh, just gold and silver, just a ton of stuff. Servants, maid servants. So you could actually look at this and go, man, that was a good call. I went to Egypt and man, everything tripled. I am way richer than I was before. So what do you do? Hey, must have been God. Must have been God. And you don't know how many times I've seen people ruin their lives because it must have been God. Because they assume that making the decisions that they made and they started making more money 
or getting more things that this has to be God. But the problem is, is everything that connected with this has to be God, the life ain't the same as it was before. All of a sudden, you know, church isn't the way it was before. Being a part wasn't the way it was before. Being faithful was the way. Why? Because, hey, the business calls. You've got all this money now, all these riches. And Abram is in this place now where everything's good, except his wife ain't living with him anymore. I don't hear her complaining. I mean, we don't. But what happens is God intervenes and says, we ain't having this. Pharaoh realizes that he stepped over a boundary that no, doesn't matter who God it is because, see, they believed in gods, the Nile God and all the different gods that they believed in, and they knew that you could get them angry with you and not good things would happen. And so now, all of a sudden, Sarah comes clean and says, I'm his wife. So Pharaoh's like going, that's why all this bad is happening to us. So he takes Sarai to Abram and says, dude, you lied to me. You straight out lied to me. But because of what happened with God and him, he literally didn't want to get to a place where God was going to kill him. So he pretty much said, y'all leave, leave and take your possessions with you. In other words, they're leaving with everything. So they went into Egypt, got blessed and left with all of it. And it's all good. He's got his wife. He's got multiplied more in wealth. You might say that's got to be God. You might. Right? But the problem is there's a a cute little chick named Hagar in the midst. See, the lie opened the door for a great evil in their life. See, the blessing they thought that was so awesome really wasn't. There's a lot of times we have a lot of wants. And then once we get what we thought we wanted, we don't want anymore. I see people do this all the time. I see singles do it all the time. They create this mindset of, of fantasy land, of this emotionalism. And they make cho choices based upon that instead of common sense and realism. Because you can all talk, oh, we'll have this and we'll have this and, and, and you're going to get this and you work part-time for Taco Bell. Yeah, you're going to really get that. But you're trying to pretend that you have the ability now. You're pretending that you can live life now. It doesn't work that way. It will never work that way. And by the way, you're pretty much following through with your family's lineage anyway it's the same thing. You're doing exactly what you've been programmed to unless you disengage and follow this. You do exactly the same. You don't get it. This is the way human nature is. This is what training does. And unless you disengage from the old training, you do what you've been influenced and taught to do. 
like I say, you become a statistic. And I'm not kind of right. I'm always right. And I've been saying this for years. And young people will sit here for years. And older people will sit here for years. And I'll say the same thing over and over. It, one ear after the other. Because ultimately, people don't listen. They, I, they ain't me. I can do whatever I want. And they become a statistic. That's why I can do it every year. Because it's how people are. Or you can be the other ones. The ones that recognize I don't want to keep doing it my way. My way don't work. It has never worked. All it does is gets me into more troubles and issues. And that's what we see in scripture, do we not? But guess what? You don't lose hope. You can't lose hope. Because there isn't anyone in here that hasn't made a wrong decision. Or made the decision that they regret or made whatever the case may be. There's something in your past where you're like going, ah, now some decisions, you're going to have this stuff carry into your life. Some decisions, they, 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 they take a long time to get, you know, fixed. But the point is, is it's life. Every decision is crucial. They're important. Amen. They're important. So what we have here is we have this picture of, hey, they got blessed. Everything's awesome. And now they're leaving this country, Egypt, and moving into the promised land, even with more stuff. Yeah. What's, what happens? Well, I'm going to look at six keys that will help you understand the transformation. Six keys that will help you in the changing in the inward into the outward. In, in the, this story of Abram and Sarai. The first key is this. There is a warfare that is happening to stop and hinder the transformation process. There is a warfare that takes place. No matter if you're new to the faith or you've been in the faith a long time, understand that there's a battle going on. Galatians 5.16 says this. Let me explain further. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. Live your life as your spiritual nature. Spiritual nature directs you. Then you will never follow through on what your corrupt nature wants. There's a battle right there. The, the corrupt nature is your past training. It's corrupt because... You were born corrupt with the sin nature. It's not corrupt because you sinned. It's corrupt because that's all you can do is sin. Yet there, is like, there isn't like a choice. You have a sin nature. So in that corrupt nature, it is going to do what sin wants. And those are things that aren't going to produce success or prosperity. So here it's saying, walk in the spirit. You will not fulfill the corrupt nature of the flesh. What your corrupt nature wants is contrary. That, that's a Greek word for at war. What your nature wants is at war with your spiritual nature and what it wants. They're, they're, they're antagonistic. They're, they fight each other. So your spirit is going, no, you know what? That, that message, you know, I pastor said was really touched my heart and I know I should do this. And the flesh is going, nah, 
now we need to do this. And so you have this warfare. Everybody got that? And when you understand that, then you realize that, okay, I need to pay attention. I need to see the signs. I need to recognize what it is that I do that gets me off track. I can tell you right now. Right now, the number one problem, identity, period. Number one problem. And I can look at your lives. I can look at your friends. I can, I can tell you exactly the issues of your life just based upon those two things, friends and family. So look at this. It says, what your spiritual nature wants and what your spiritual nature wants is contrary to what your corrupt nature wants. They are opposed to each other. As a result, you don't always do what you intend to do. So there's this battle that goes on. But once you're looking at this and paying attention to it, then you can realize, okay, I have a nature that wants to stay bound to the old way. The old way, which has to be changed, is what's tied to my inner self, my value of myself. Why do people do the things they do? Because they don't value who they are. They cheapen their lives. Listen, when you look at yourself as precious and valuable, you don't do a lot what the world wants to. Always remember that the world's concept, never forget this, is animalistic. They don't look at you as a human being. They look at you as an animal. So what animal goes, what animal does, that's what they think is okay for you. But you're not an animal because no animal has value. None. None of them. None. I can tell you right now, if I was a zebra in Africa, I'd be going, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm not going this. I'd see my brother, my uncle, my aunt, my cousins, they all get eaten. And then we all cross the same river and we already know there's crocodiles in there. I'm done. I'm not crossing. I'm not doing it. But see, they don't do that way. Why? Because they're animals. And that's what the world wants you to think. You're an animal. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but it's true. And so we, even followers of Jesus, continue with that same concept because we end up doing what the world does. And you become a statistic. Your choice, no one's making you. God's not forcing you. It's what we do. It's a major negative, isn't it? But also understand this. In the major negative, it's an awesome positive in the sense that I'm in control. I am. I'm in control. But now if I'm in control, I need to understand that the inward process of decisions need to be tied to an image that'll help me make the right choices. I started the walk just like everybody else did. I did the I love you, Jesus, and didn't have a clue why I was telling him I love you. You ever been there? <laughs> I love you, Jesus. You know, I, 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 I'm very thankful that I'm not going to go to hell. But I mean, I, I, I didn't see him. He didn't like come and hold my hand. And it, it's, it's a position of faith. And Jesus was a little simpler to get to the place of I love you than God was. Because God is Father. 
And me and father, naturally, there wasn't no love there. There was a time, I'm sure, when I was that baby, that little child point where there was love there. But after a certain point of time, there wasn't no love. No love. There was his understanding of life and my receiving of that understanding of his understanding. In other words, I didn't know what love was in connection to a male, a father. No, no way. I never, ever heard him say, I love you. Never, ever remember him hugging me. Never. We were provided for. He took care of that. We went on vacations. Um, he coached Little League. So? But so what? The point is, is that major connection of what was necessary for my life was missing. And it is a major connection in life. The Father's love, major connection. So in my relationship with, with this new walk, it took me a long time to say, I love you, God, and mean it. I did lip service. That's, you know, I learned Christianese right off the bat. It's simple. You know, after a while, you start realizing, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. You know, how's it going? Oh, glory to God, real good. Glory to God, praise God, hallelujah. I mean, it's, 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 it's stupid. I mean, it is, it's stupid. But you learn, you learn by example. And everybody's talking that way. But then when you're living around them and being around them, you start realizing, wait a minute, we don't speak Christianese all the time. Because that F word ain't Christianese. And you, you, you Christian, and we, you led me to Jesus, and you throwing an F-bomb in basketball? What is that? And I'm doing my best not to cuss. And I got Christians cussing around me, and I'm like going, this is weird. Because I, I, there were things I'm committed to. I'm, I'm a Christian now. I'm not going to do this anymore. And man, there were some struggles. There was some warfare going. There was some fighting. But I was, I was purposed in my heart to win. <laughs> it's in my DNA to win. And so I become a Christian. Now I got to win the game. I got to win as a Christian. You know, I didn't know that Paul said run the race. I didn't know all those things. That would have been awesome. But my thought was, is, no, I got to win this thing. I'm not going to lose. Be a Christian and lose. I got to win. So I'm really, I mean, being really religious in a lot of things because I don't want to fail. And now I'm tied my relationship with God on not failing. Guess what? Failed all the time. Constant failure. Think about it. And so in that life, you're just in a whirlwind of how could he love me? But as long as I continued, and this is why I was talking about earlier, and let this word get into this heart. If it's planted, it can grow. And so I kept hearing these, that word and hearing the information and started meditating on different things until finally this stuff started engaging with me and I started realizing that this love is different. But it was hard. It wasn't simple. It was very hard. Like you guys, many of you know this story, but the first time I heard my dad say, I love you, is after I led him to Jesus. The first time I remember ever getting a hug from him. 
was after I led him to Jesus. The first time I ever seen him cry in my whole life is when I led him to Jesus. He cried, he hugged me, and he said, I love you. And it freaked me out. I just led this guy to Jesus, my dad. All those three, three things took place. Everybody in the house is in, in awe of what just happened. And I tell my mom, I go, I got to go. And I left. I felt like throwing up. It was the weirdest feeling in the world. And all this in one time just was freaking me out. I wasn't even happy to receive Jesus. I was like too grossed out. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I led him to Jesus, you know. But the thing is, is all that coming out was like, ugh. That was my battle with this love with this father. Like I said, loving Jesus came quicker. But as I started continuing in my growing and maturing, I started realizing, wait a minute, this Jesus is actually the father. And I'm not saying Jesus is a father. I'm saying what he did on earth was the father, represented 100% the father, spoke the father's words, acted the father's way. And so that opened the door for me to go, I love you, Father, and finally be free and be at peace to do that. But it took time. It took time. This journey isn't overnight. Abram's the same way. He's going through this process. He's doing things, but it's, it's affecting. It's, it's messing up God's plan. Listen, don't you realize or, or, or understand that God knew he was going to change his name? The first time he called him. I mean, he could have called, he could have called Abram. I'm changing the name to Abraham. And you're going to do great and mighty things for me. And you're going to have a child. And you're going to have covenant. And all the nations are going to be blessed because I changed your name to Abraham right now. You're the father of many nations right now. Day one. But he didn't do that. Why? Because this, this life is a journey. And it's not where God's just laying everything down in front of you right now so that you'll do it. It's a faith walk. It's real, people. It's real. And he wants us to grow and mature so that we can be successful, so that we can stand strong, so we can have a foundation that's secure. But it doesn't happen if he's given me everything right now. It'll never happen that way. Parents, I'm talking to you. Kids have to grow. Kids have to mature. Parents, if you got, if you got young kids right now, if you don't give them a work, ha work habit now, get them an understanding of the importance of work, I can tell you right now, they're going to be lazy and not work. When they become teens, they ain't going to work. They don't know how to work. They just show up and talk. Why? Because they weren't taught a work ethic. That's your responsibility. But we don't know that because the video games, the cartoons, we have to get out and do it, but we let our kids stay inside. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But I can tell you right now, if all you're doing is giving them playtime and fun time, you're not helping them. 
at all. At all. And I'm not saying every child is going to automatically get this because it doesn't work that way. Some are easier than others. I got two, and they're both not the same. But I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter. Daniel's different than Matthew, and Matthew's different than Daniel. But it's gonna, they're going to get the work ethic. Some might engage a little longer than the other one. They might take a little while, but it doesn't matter. They're being trained. And I can tell you right now, they're both workers. At one point, I could say, man, I don't know if the other one's going to be a worker. But I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I continued, continued doing it. And, and the thing is, is these are truths that can help you understand what this life's about. God ain't going to quit on you. You quit on you. God never going to quit on you. And, it, and parents, it's never too late. As long as you have that parental authority over them. I mean, once they're gone, I mean, yeah. Or, you know, you haven't made them sign a lease and they're paying their due. You know, that's when things change, too. I'm thinking about that right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ironclad lease contract. These mills aren't free, bro. So there's a warfare. We see it. There is this flesh. There's this, this um, drive to run from plan A to plan B because you get a little scared. We all been there, right? Remember you early on in your Christian walk, some, you know, are, you can remember quicker, but there are times when I remember back in the day, I can think of many times where I like going, I don't know how I'm going to get through this thing. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And times when I felt literally like God doesn't love me anymore. So there, there's all those things that are out there, but we just got to realize, listen, God's with you and he's for you. He's not going to quit on you. Amen. So. When you look at Abram and you look at what he did, he accomplishes what he set out to accomplish, and that is to keep everybody alive and him not dead. So he ends up leaving Egypt and he's starting to go back into plan A, what God called him to do. But the problem is the blessing wasn't really a pure blessing. And that's what I want you to see. Again, in that blessing was a maid called Hagar. And that, we always have to pay attention to that. Don't just look at the money. Don't just look at, oh, look what I got. Look how much we have. I guarantee you there's a Hagar somewhere. If it ain't God's plan, are you hearing me? If it isn't God's plan, there's a Hagar in the midst of all that money. In the midst of all those things, there's a Hagar. And that Hagar, I'm telling you right now, listen to me. Don't be a statistic that Hagar is going to pull you out of plan A. I, I, I guarantee it. Next, we go to number two. Transformation happens God's way, his timing. We can't make it happen through our way. It doesn't work that way. It's God's timing. Chill. Walk this thing out. Be comfortable in who you believe in, but walk this thing out. Listen, I get it. There's so many things we want out of here, so many things we want to get rid of, so many things we want changes in. But it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't happen overnight. I know, for instance, like when we talk about health and we talk about making sure that you guys are staying healthy, our journey in this area of health is taking years. And there's still struggles of strawberry rhubarb pie. 
and probably continue right now. <laughs> but the point is, is it's, it's given me and my wife and my family an understanding of the importance of I value myself. I value myself. Pay now, pay later. That's why I see it. And paying later is way more expensive. You afraid to pay? Oh, I got to pay two more dollars for organic. How much are the drugs and the operations, all the other stuff going to cost you? Because I guarantee it's going to be more than two bucks. I guarantee it. But we don't want to do that. Why? Because again, it's tied to image. Tied to how you see yourself. We, we want to just go with the flow and not really think about a lot of stuff. And I get it. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm telling you, I was there and I've heard the comments in my head of, don't be talking your health stuff. I want Jack in the Box after this message. I've done the same thing. But see, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm wise enough to understand that, that that thought process is only out of immaturity, lack of understanding. And that's what we do because, hey, this pandemic has shown, I mean, clarified about People that need to take care of their bodies by what you eat. It's very clear. It's a clear picture. But again, it's another instruction, another teaching that, you know, it's, we look at our lives and think, I don't want to do this. I don't want to change. I don't want to stop doing what I like. Things have you done that you liked, that you come to realize that it's not good for me. I there are a lot of things I liked, but none of it was good for me. None of those things were good for me. Not, there was nothing statistically sound that this will give you a good, successful life. Nothing. Everything I could see in it was destructive, bad, not good. But the process of time got me to realize I didn't have to become a Christian, by the way, to stop doing some of those things, just to let you know. The alcohol, yeah, but the drug part, nah, was like, number one, is too costly. Number two, I don't need it. You know, some people need it. They have to. I'm like, my life's pretty good right now. I don't think I, I don't need that. You know, unless you're going to give it to me free, and then people start looking at you and go, yeah, you just want free stuff now. But the point is, is ultimately, I was like, going, nah, I don't, that's not my life. I don't want that what I want. And again, the, the, the time as being a follower of Jesus, I, in following Jesus, I was still, you know, buying beer. And I realized one day, 19th Avenue, crossing Camelback down to Indian school, open a, open a beer, I'm ready to start drinking, and I got a six-pack, and I realized I got Christian music playing. And, I, and all of a sudden, it was, it was like... You know, in the cartoons, the light bulb, man, I had like a spotlight. And it literally hit me and I go, I can't do this. But even in the midst that I'm thinking, I can't do this, but I wasn't thinking because I took the whole thing and threw it right out the window. I'm driving down 19th Avenue. You know what happens to even a Coke can that you throw out a window going 40 miles an hour? It ain't going to sit there it's going to explode. And go, I didn't even think about cars behind me. Yeah! 
All I thought was, I'm getting delivered. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was the last time. The last time. How awesome is that? God delivered you. No. I made a choice. That's a Christianese. You expecting God to take everything away from you. God, can you imagine how messed up God is? Because look how much stuff we have that he's never taken away. And then we're blaming God for it. You do your dumb little prayers. God, take this. God, take that. They, he's take, he took it on the cross. It's, all, it's already done. You want help? Then it's time to get help. But don't act like it's his fault or he's the one that's holding back on you. He wants you to be the best. He wants you to be, listen, this is cool. He wants you to be the best, and what we'd usually assume is the best you can be, but actually it's not that. He wants you to be the best that he can be. That's so awesome. He wants you to be the best that he can be. That is, man, there ain't no, there ain't no limits. That's the guy we serve. That's my dad who I love, and I hug, and I cry in front of. And it's wonderful, wonderful. The thing we need to understand. All right. So we can't allow. Listen, when you have the picture of, of Abram leaving Egypt to where he gets to um, Genesis 16, 1, it says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Who's she blaming it on? You know, you know when this is being said? 10 years after Egypt. So we have them leaving Haran, him going to Egypt, leaving Egypt, and now Sarah's like going, it ain't working. We tried, but it isn't working. So what she does is what culture does. What the religious culture of that day did. And that was her servant was as if she was in proxy with her. So she goes to Abram and says, God's plan ain't working. Maybe it'll work this way. And she says, take Hagar and have a child through her. I look at this and I remember used to being so upset with Sarah. And then I realized, you know what it, it ain't her fault. Abram's been talking this constantly to her. We're going to have kids. We're going to have kids. We're going to do it. This is God's plan. This is God's plan. She's going year after year. You keep saying that. Nothing's happening. So she takes upon herself to say, you know what? Let me, let me help in this. But God spoke to Abram. Do you understand this? God spoke to Abram. She's now redefining what God spoke to Abram, and she's trying to work it out now. No, God spoke to Abram. Now you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to do everything on your point, but no, God spoke to Abram. Abram told you. And so what happens now is Sarai's going, we got to work this thing out because they ain't working with me. And I want this plan. I believe in you, Abram. I want it to happen. So maybe this is, and that's what she said. Maybe this is the way it's supposed to happen. Plan B again. And so the story goes like this. Sarah went, it's a promise of God. You've told me over and over and over. God told you that 
that we're to have a child. It ain't working, honey. Uh, listen, remember Hagar? I mean, you know, you see her all the time. We got her from Egypt, free. I want you to sleep with her. I'll give you her as, a, as, as another wife. And then I realized, no, this is a Abram bad. This is a bad on him. Because if you look at the story, it went, she went, I think you should take my, my maid. And he goes, okay. There's like, there, there wasn't like, Sarai, baby, honey. No, the dude needs marriage counseling. He needs to go through discipleship class. I mean, there's, he's got some issues because he didn't, this wasn't like, honey, we got, this is God's plan. I, how can I do that? You're my love of my life. You're the one I want. You, I want you over everything. Hagar, are you kidding? She's hot, but I mean, no, 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 no. Can't, come on, Sarai, come on. God spoke to me. You will have a child. He ain't doing none of that. He's going, yep, let's do it. Done, sold. For a long time, I thought, Sarai, Man, that was a bad call. No, Abram, his fault. Sarai's in the clear. Abram, she's just trying to help out the man of God. She's trying to help out the plan. She's she just like going, it, it, it hasn't worked for me. I'm going to help. Abram messed up. Abram messed up. Shouldn't have happened. But guess what? It started in Egypt with all those blessings with all God's richest blessings upon our lives. Dude, this wasn't God's destiny for them. You can't line up what you're doing with God's plan and destiny, and you base it upon, I got more money. That ain't gonna work. I've seen many, many people's lives ruined because they got money. Many. Being a lot of bad decisions because I got money. Read what scripture says about money. I'm not saying it's evil. It's like a gun. Gun can't get off the table and shoot someone. Guns aren't evil. Guns can't even think. You're never going to see a gun walking down the street. It's, it, it isn't. There's someone that has to take that thing that has made a wrong choice, a bad decision, evil, whatever. And they use that. Money's the same way. Right? Same exact way. So that thing, if that can influence you, can influence you the wrong way. So those are things you have to remember, okay? So you've got to make sure you're not switching plans, no matter what the world is saying, all right? We'll give you two free iPhones. Nothing's free ever. So we want to make sure we stay on God's plan and never plan B, because God's plan is always going to be the best for your life, amen? Number three is God redefines you to redesign you. God redefines you to redesign you. And that's where we get the change in Abram's name. Remember, 
Abram, his name is Exalted Father with no legacy. Put it that way. His name changed with God breath, Hem. Abraham, all of a sudden becomes father of many nations. That's what he needed. That name change gave him the ability at the point where he's at to start seeing differently. God isn't going to change your name, but in the identity of how you see yourself, there's going to be a time when that name change takes place. I've had name changes. It's always been Daniel, all right? Just like growing up, it was Danny. And I hated to hear the word Dan. It sounded so old, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, Danny comes to a point where it's like a cartoon. You're like, I don't watch cartoons no more. So all of a sudden, you don't want Danny anymore. You just want Dan. And then it changed to Daniel, which is my real name, Daniel. But even through that process, I had other names. I had Danny Mac. I had Mackie. I mean, all kinds of different nicknames that not just sometimes that were, they, they were my name. I got, I got guys, if they came to church right now, they'd go, Mackie. And you'd be, you wouldn't even look toward me. You'd be looking around, who's he talking to? And because they, they steal me or they'll go, Danny Mac. I heard a guy talk to me in that, and this was years ago um, in, in a mall, Danny Mac. But the point is, is I've had many name changes as a follower of Jesus. And in those name changes, I went to a different identity, a different understanding of myself. And so will you. But again, he ain't changing her name day one. It's a process. You all got this? This walk is a process. It's an awesome one, but you got to learn to keep this flesh under. You ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen doing it your way, your process, because that's your past. Totally. It's got to be God's way, the way God processes. And I know it's difficult for a lot of people because, you know, a lot of you, especially younger ones, you know, we, we all been brought up in an atmosphere of just pure, ugly lust and, and, and yuck, especially in public schools. That's all that's right. It's just fed all in them. And you're in their hours, countless hours all week long. You become just like them, church or not. Until you make a stand, you conform. I know what I'm talking about. I'm 100% right on this. I've seen it over and over hundreds of times. And the ones that take a stand, it, it, it's, a, it's an aggressive move on their part if they're going to a high school. Aggressive. To where they lay down the law. I am a follower of Jesus. You like it or not, I could care less. And get to so aggressive in what they believed in that they started leading people to Jesus. That's, and that only will you be able to make a stand in that type of atmosphere. Otherwise, you're folding or hiding. But either way, you become a statistic. And believe me, when I use that term statistic or anytime I talk about that, of me being right, don't ever think that it's a joy for me to say that or it's something that I get excited about. Because I tell you right now, I can't stand it. But it's a fact. It's truth. And that's just the way it is. I would love to say everybody listens and there's never any problems. And no one becomes a statistic. We all follow Jesus. But guess what? Majority of time, don't happen. 
And it's sad. Very sad. Number four, God's covenant comes with a guarantee. Oh, and remember Sarai? Remember we talked about it? Wasn't that special? Sarai meaning princess. Sarah meaning princess. But the princess of Sarah changed with the breath of God to become my princess, God's princess. Think of what has happened to you when your, your little daddy's princess in the natural to where now your father God's princess. Think of what, what happens in your identity because see, daddy princess is this. I'm barren. I can't have kids. God's princess is this. All things are possible. There ain't no barren in my house. And all of a sudden, she's now connected with a God that says, I believe in you. He didn't change her name. With Sarai, Sarah, he didn't have to deal like he had to do with Abram. Two different people. Two different people. Quit trying to say or act like that other person. Quit trying to be like someone else. Quit trying to pull like, I want to copy them. Stop it. God is doing, going to do great things in who you are. And until you do it the way you are, you won't get the results that you really want. Because if you're mimicking or copying or trying to be like someone else, it, there's nothing. The flow isn't from your heart. Mind, head might like it. Heart, it doesn't connect. How do I know that? Because a message that touches me doesn't mean it's going to touch you. That doesn't make sense. That's not how God works. Oh, it impacted, it impacted me. Everybody's got to listen to it. It doesn't work that way. Even right now, some of you are getting it. Some of you are not. Some of you feel like a nut. Some don't. I mean, it's just a fact. Just the way it is. And then we can go another 20 minutes, 15 minutes, or an hour. And you might get it and the other person might not. In other words, we all have different things that are connecting and touching us. Amen? So God's covenant comes with a guarantee. Number four, God's covenant comes with a guarantee. Obedience and confidence is all we need. Hebrews 6.13, God's promise to Abram, Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abram, Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. God took an oath with himself. The reason why he did that is because when you make a covenant, the covenant is only as good as the weakest link. Covenant is only good as the weakest link. Wherever the weakest link is, that's where the breakage happens. But God cuts covenant with himself. There ain't no weak link there. He did that with Abram. He, did, he isn't going to go to Abraham and say, me and you, I'll make covenant with you. It's going to be broken probably a week later. So he makes covenant with himself for Abram. That's awesome. So awesome. So in the covenant, he says, if you look at Hebrews 6, 12, it says, people take an oath. They call someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. Without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could, could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Isn't that awesome? So God has given both his promise and his oath. 
These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. This covenant is forever. It's right now for us. What he said to Abram, to Abraham, is our covenant. It's our covenant because it came through Jesus. Same covenant. That is so awesome. Number five, redesign demands restructure. Genesis 12.1. Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to land I will show you. Like I said, I can call out your life by who you hang with. Christian or not, doesn't matter to me. I can tell you right now, the people that you hang with are who you are. That's why it's so vital, so important to choose the right friends. That does not mean alienate people. It does not mean disregard people. It does not mean you're not friendly or loving. What it means is when it comes to your house, your close, the close amigos or amigas, those people that are right around you, they got to be people going the same direction you're going. Otherwise, they will pull you down. Scripture is very clear. Bad company corrupts. Not might, it will. Always has, always will be. Your, your wants, your desires, your prayers, don't change God's word. If you hook up with someone that is not exactly on the same road or further than you, it's going down a road of corruption. Doesn't happen overnight. Corruption is like rust. It starts and it continues the road away until it cracks. I'm right, 100%. I will be proven right. You can say no all you want up here. I'm going to tell you right now, you'll be a statistic. How can I be so secure in this? It's exactly what God said. He doesn't lie. All right? You all got that? Remember Jesus speaking to the crowd? His mom, brothers, and sisters, by the way, it says that in the Bible, his mom, brothers, and sisters came to him, and they all looked at Jesus and said, hey, mama's there. She wants you. And Jesus did what? Okay, I'm coming, mama. No. He said, time to teach. Let me explain something, y'all. You are my mamas and brothers and sisters. Those that are obeying God's word. He made a transition that was amazing, especially in this culture. Amazing in this culture. And he's saying, no. Yeah, she gave birth to me, and yeah, they are my brothers and sisters, but if we're talking about what is priority now, this is probably one of the major downfalls of most Christians right now. Right now. God never said to hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your family. Never. He said, make a choice. You think that God literally is going to say to eliminate your family and then that's my will and my desire for your life? No. He doesn't. He says, eliminate your family if your family is trying to eliminate you from him. It's trying to pull you from your call, your giftings. And family, family people that don't get this, they, get, they hate this. They don't like to hear this. And it's not that it's based upon love. It's based upon control. That's all it is. Manipulation based upon all the process of how you're trained in life, your assumptions, your feelings. I get it. We've all been there. But the truth is, is Jesus shares the truth. He says, listen, if you're going to call something, he said, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? And he pointed to his disciples. These are my mother and brothers. 
Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. That's pretty powerful. I've had to make some tough decisions in my own life. And each one was at a season where I had to say, I, I can't go this road no more. I'm, I'm not going to change for you. I'm not, I'm not the same person anymore. And I had to go this direction. Religion wants you to submit to religious instruction. Not Bible teaching, religious instruction. No, you have to. No, I don't. I have to do anything. I have to do what God's will is for me. And if you're not joining me on this, this, this journey, then, you know, it, it just, it, it ain't working. It ain't working. Decisions have to be made. Doesn't stop my love. I led my whole family to Jesus. I led my aunts, uncles, grandpas, grandmas to Jesus. All of them. I led them all to Jesus. But we had no relationship. Well, my mom, I did. And my brothers, to a point, I did. And then my mom went to heaven. My dad went to heaven. And other people went different directions. But I, I've never got off my journey. My phone number has never changed. I'm still doing what I'm called to do. No one cannot find me. You know what I'm saying? No one cannot find me. Journey you choose to take. Amen. The sixth is a redefine and redesign to act by faith. God called Abram. God called Sarai. God told him what's going to happen at 100 years old, at 90 years old. They had to make an action of faith. It's not something we want to think about or look at, but we have a 190-year-old going to a tent and having a baby. All right? In other words, there's still the action of faith. James says, faith without works is non-productive. It's dead. What I want you to understand is, is when we're looking at this picture, we're seeing what Abraham and Sarah went through. It was a process of years, not just a week. They went through their struggles. They went through the difficulties. They went through, Lot, you need to leave. We, we got a different direction. Choose which way you're going. We're going the opposite way. And did Abraham quit on his nephew? No, he saved him. Lot was one day took and captive by some kings that just, just ran, ran and destroyed so many different countries. And they took Lot and Abram said, no, that's my nephew. And went and saved his nephew. But he didn't all of a sudden say, come live with us again. No, Lot's path was a different one. And, and we see his path. He loved Sodom. He loved that town. He was so perverted that, you know, his own kids, his own daughters had sex with him. To carry on the lineage of his dad, of Lot. But Abram didn't go and run to him and say, hey, let's make sure we stay together and let's always be buddies and let's make sure we have the families hang out for Sunday suppers. No, he said, you guys are living a different life. I ain't doing that. I got my life. I'm doing what I'm called to do. You're living your life. It's nasty. If an enemy comes and takes you, I'm going to kill him. That's the family picture. But I ain't hanging with you. And that's the problem that people have. They don't get it. They feel like hanging and being like, is a, you're supposed to be that way. No, you're not. We have a higher calling. And that higher calling is needed because there's a time when all the family members are going to hit rock bottom. And if you're just like them, they have no one to turn to. 
Let's be the one turned to. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the word and the truth of the word of God. And I believe that as we have heard and paid attention to the story of Abraham and Sarah, it gives us hope. It gives us understanding that you're in this for the long haul. This isn't a sprint. This is a race. We've got to run this race with patience, understanding that we are going to be in different seasons through this time. There are times when we're going to be different, times when we're up, times when we're down, times when there's famine, times when there's success. No matter what, our will is to do your will. Just as Jesus had to make that decision. In the garden, he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. What an awesome statement. May we all understand the importance of making that statement when it comes to Jesus. He deserves it, and guess what? So do we. So Father, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.